This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am joined by Chris Grenham, and we tried to get Nicole Yang to wake up and join us, and she did hop on the call for you know, what, Grenham, like a, a minute and a half? Yeah, just, ninety uh, seconds. Yeah, to say good luck, friends. <laughs> she, no, she came on. She gave her statement about eating crow on like the team coming back. So it was it was a good uh, midnight sleep statement. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was good good to see our good pal, and then she went back to bed. So shout out Nicole. Hopefully she's sleeping well right now Grenham and I are going to talk about a very fun basketball game that the Boston Celtics just played uh 125 to 119 win over the Brooklyn Nets Jason Tatum another 50 piece Kyrie Irving really really struggled in the face of plenty of negativity but all in all pretty fun game kind of a, a throwback to when the Celtics were good all the time uh because I don't know about you I spent the whole second half thinking to myself like this feels weird and I couldn't quite place it. But then about halfway through the second half, I was like, oh, this feels weird because I think they're going to win. Yeah, we haven't had that feeling much with this team. <laughs> I kept thinking during the second half, like, man, it really feels like the Celtics are up like 15 right now, but they were only up like seven or eight. And that's another feeling that we've had a lot in years past with this group, but not at this season, like at all. So that combined with a very loud environment, even though there was only 5,000 people or 25% capacity, whatever the actual number is, it was very loud at TD Garden. So that felt pretty normal. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum was ridiculous down the stretch he was he's so fun to watch when he gets in these modes like we talked about it after the playing game against the wizards and he's done a really good job there's so many young players that get on these tears mid-game and they kind of get the tunnel vision and sometimes it's for the better sometimes they're just pure scorers like luca you see it sometimes they're just to the basket tunnel vision tatum i thought is he's done such a good job and tonight was another example of it to even when he has that ridiculously hot hand down the stretch He's still seeing the court really well and creating for his teammates. He still is finding the open man and drawing the attention inside and successfully finding the open man. That's a really, really positive development for his game. I thought he did a really good job of that tonight. I thought Tristan Thompson was great. We have shit all over Tristan Thompson of late. All three of us, Nicole, Tom, and I. And so we all have to eat crow on that just for tonight's performance. Maybe, no, maybe now that fans are back, maybe he, that's why he kept saying, you know, I, I can't wait for the fans. Maybe he just stinks when there are no fans there. I will eat zero crow on Tristan Thompson, but I will say that he was awesome tonight. I will not eat crow for saying that Tristan Thompson was terrible because Tristan Thompson was terrible. Because he was. So that's very <laughs> fair. Brutal. But tonight, yeah. Tristan Thompson, I, I will go the other direction and say that Tristan Thompson, like the Celtics don't win this game without Tristan Thompson. He yeah. was fantastic on both ends. He kept a lot of possessions alive for the Celtics. I don't know what he actually, yeah, okay, nine offensive rebounds. That actually <laughs> yeah. feels about right. Yeah, like yeah. He, he ended up with 19 points, 13 rebounds, just a huge double-double. 
really dominated the Nets inside, which the Celtics needed that. You know, they needed to have that interior presence. Like Jason Tatum obviously was picking the Nets apart. Sometimes in these 50-point Jason Tatum performances, he's getting to the rim a ton. This game, he was just scoring. Like he hit a lot of tough shots, a lot of, you know, kind of mid-range, a lot of of threes. Yeah, five three-pointers. He did get to the line 15 times, which which is big, and, and he's doing that more and more. The uh, the thing about Jason Zatum is that like when he gets going like this, like you can't single cover him at all. I'm I'm starting to like think that there isn't a single player in the NBA who you can single cover him with, and and that doesn't mean that he's going to ISO against that guy, but pick and rolls. I just, his offensive bag is so big at this point. Like, like the Celtics can just, you know, if it's a really good defender on him, who's going to give him trouble, Celtics can bring a big man up and Tatum can beat, you know, beat him off the pick and roll. You know, if the Celtics can get a switch, if they can get Kyrie or if they can get Blake Griffin, or if they can get Nicholas Claxton on him, any of those guys are just toast. One of the things that I thought was weird was how willing the Nets were kind of in the same way that we were talking in the first couple of games about how the Celtics let Tristan Thompson get put on an island against Harden. The Nets let the same thing happen with Tatum to to Kyrie a bunch of times, with Claxton a bunch of times. Like the Celtics were getting whatever switch they wanted, which I thought was kind of weird. You know, especially given like what you know what we've seen all series, and especially the way that it really worked for them to throw everything at him. I don't understand why they went away from that. Yeah, especially in that third quarter, there was a stretch there where they were willingly switching for a while, and Tatum was just killing them, absolutely killing them. Like throughout the game, he was just obliterating Blake Griffin, going after Nick Claxton. Like it wasn't even fair. It's like, why are they willingly switching when they're just getting eaten alive out here? So Tatum just took total advantage of that. But you're right in terms of even some of the best defenders having trouble with him. Like they throw Kevin, Kevin Durant's been playing some really good defense in this series. They throw Kevin Durant on him tonight. Like there was a couple plays where Tatum shook him seemingly with ease on the perimeter. He'd get inside, draw the attention and kick out and find the open man. You saw it last year with um, the game against the Clippers, the over the couple overtime game last season with Paul George, where Tatum kind of cooked him. Like he has a pretty good track record against some of the top defenders. So I agree. As he gets better and he becomes more versatile as a scorer, it just becomes tougher and tougher to defend him one on one. I had so many thoughts on Tatum's offensive game tonight. Like he got into his bag so early, you could kind of tell it was going to be a Tatum game from the jump. He was aggressive right off the bat. I thought that was really promising. Because even though like he was pretty good in the beginning of game one, game two, he was passive from the start. And you could tell like, oh, this, this might be a problem. It's really promising when, granted, this is a must win for the Celtics, but he just kind of punched the nets right off the bat. And he just got into his aggressive moves right off the bat. And I, I thought that was really beneficial and kind of kickstarted the Celtics, even when they got down big pretty early. Like that was a huge response. Yeah. Getting down big early. I wanted to touch on that too. Like that felt very, th- that felt very dangerous when the Celtics got down that big. I, I we all in our Geno time group chat, like I think you and I both at the same time said, well, the game three's over <laughs> and it's um, done. <laughs> and I mean, I, I even tweeted something like, I don't know how the Celtics stop these guys. And then the answer turned out to be everybody plays defense hard. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah. was really all there was to it. <laughs> you know, in the, like, after the Nets went on that run, a little bit later, they they ended up putting James Harden. James Harden was the lone star in the yeah. game for a while. And the Celtics actually handled that really well. They played really good defense against James Harden individually. They weren't really doubling him. They uh, Every once in a while they did. But for the most part, they weren't really doubling him to get the ball out of his hands or anything like that. They just kind of said, you know, clearly said to their guys, like, stay down, be solid, just do what you can. And, you know, if, if you get beat, like, tip your cap. But, like, yeah. 
that I think was one of the really interesting things about what the Celtics did. It felt like defensively in this game, they weren't doubling. They, you know, they, they got into rotation a little bit, but I thought they rotated really well. Generally speaking, it felt like what they were doing was just saying, all we want to do is, is switch everything. Don't give anybody open shots and just play hard defense and, and hope for the best. And that seemed to work. And then I think the other thing that really helped was that Kyrie Irving was genuinely shaken. He did not look like himself. It was, I, I think, I think it's very fair to say that he did not want to get booed <laughs> and like he got booed. Before we get to the Kyrie stuff, I think you have a, a re- there's definitely something to be said about the defensive approach tonight. You look at game one and Brad Stevens was throwing in Jabari Parker early off the bench, right? That's clearly an offensive minded substitution. The thing about tonight's substitutions in comparison to some of the earlier ones, like he went to Romeo Langford early and stuck with him 27 minutes. He turned to Grant Williams. Like it felt to me like there was a lot of defensive minded substitutions, whereas earlier in the series, it didn't feel as much that way. And maybe it's just recency bias because we're hours after game three and game one is a long way in the past at this point. But it felt to me like there was a, there was an emphasis on their defensive approach. I thought Romeo Langford gave them some really good defensive minutes. I thought Grant Williams gave them some really good small ball center minutes. And that's when he's at his best. We've talked about that countless times. He had a really nice block on James Harden. Like both of their presences on the defensive side of the ball made a real impact. And yeah, they're not like huge box score guys, but they really did make a, make a big impact in it. Of course, it makes it easier when Jason Tatum is just deep in his bag on the other side of the floor. But I, I thought Langford and Grant Williams were huge. It made me feel really bad for Grant that all season the Celtics have tried to make him into something he's not, which is like right. a wing forward. He's yeah. just not that. He is a yeah. small ball center. And when you play him as a small ball center, he looks good, you know, yeah. most of the time. And just, like, He just looks so much more comfortable. Yeah, He looks out of his element when they try to throw him on the wing, you know? No, for sure. And again, tonight, like, you know, the reason Robert Williams went out uh, with sprained ankle in the first half. Yeah. Brad Stevens says he was in a boot. I don't know what that means for him going forward. With Rob, I'm honestly starting to think like, just like, just just call it on the season. There's, you're only, I mean, for everybody's sake here, it feels like his body is breaking down every single day. There's like a new injury. Just let the man rest for the rest of the season. There's no reason to be trying to push him at this point. But yes, anyway, so so Grant, I mean, I, th- I thought he in particular had a couple of defensive moments that really impressed me. He had one where he I, I, he kind of stonewalled a Kevin Durant drive, which was like really impressive. And yeah, the thing about Grant is that like he's not fast, like he's not like the fastest player in the world on his feet. You know, he understands angles pretty well. And I think mm-hmm. the more he plays, he's going to get better and better at that. But when a player runs into him, Grant isn't going anywhere. No. And Durant that's what happened with Durant like Durant ran into him and Grant went nowhere and that just kind of like repelled Durant out of the lane again Romeo had some nice moments uh, especially against Harden and uh you know even against Kyrie Romeo also got cooked by Durant a couple of times. yeah yeah he, do, he cannot do a thing about Kevin Durant he had one he had like one okay possession against Durant I was like oh Romeo and then it just went phew, it was gone very quickly there was one where he like Romeo, like, you know, it's very stoic guy. Like, you know, like he, he never will betray anything, but like 
the hopeless way that he was trying to defend Kevin Durant. Was like it the one where Durant was driving to the right side of the hoop, like toward the bench side? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and like, there was just not a single <laughs> damn thing that Romeo Langford could do. It looked like he almost gave up on that one. He didn't even go up to contest the shot. He didn't even yeah. go up. It, it was like, this is done. <laughs> it, really, it, was, it was incredible. We haven't, we haven't even, and we haven't even touched on the defender who um, had the biggest uh, impact tonight, which is Marcus Smart. Obviously, Smart was great on both ends. Uh, yeah. Eight for eleven from the floor, five for eight from three. Finished with twenty-three points. You know, like like Tristan Thompson, not a superstar performance like Tatum had, but the Celtics lose without Marcus Smart tonight. The, I, I think this is going to be an interesting aspect. The Celtics are not going to get um, nine of fifteen shooting from three from Evan Fournier and Marcus Smart again in Game yeah. Four. But I also kind of doubt that they're going to get an zero for seven from three from Kemba Walker. Like I think those those 100%. two things might kind of normalize a little bit. Put it this way: if you find a happy medium with the counterparts, and Jason Tatum scores fifty points every night, you're probably in pretty good shape. But yeah, for the Celtics shot as a team forty one percent from three. Phenomenal. <laughs> like that will win you a lot of basketball games. One hundred percent. And that was the first thing KD noted post game. He was like, "Yeah, they." He was like looking at the box score. He's like, "Yep." They matched us for threes. So he's like, that's that's the difference maker right there. And I thought Evan Fournier was really good talking, supporting cast. Like he started off pretty slow. And I think he was like one for four to start. You sometimes worry uh, maybe he's going to have another flat game like he had earlier in the series. But he came back to earth a little bit and was really – not even came back to earth, came up a little bit and was really, really solid too. But they do not win this game without Marcus Smart. He had a couple – really big time threes in the second half was great on defense as he normally is but Evan Fournier was really good like it was huge to have Fournier smart and Tristan Thompson pick up the slack when Kemba Walker just looked really uncomfortable all night at points he looked like he was kind of hurt with various ailments like he just kind of looked uncomfortable at times but it just clearly wasn't his night yeah you can shit on Kemba Walker for having a bad game and he's had plenty of bad games this year but in the last month he's been really really good so more than likely that he's going to be back toward what we've seen of late, maybe not as good as we've seen of late, but back to, you know, the mean come Sunday. And that's going to help. And if you can get him back to the mean and have Jason Tatum still around 30 points, maybe north of 30 points, like you're going to be in decent shape or at least have a fighting chance, which is really all you can ask for. And I, th- I think that's a really important point. I think one of the things that the Celtics did on Friday was that like, and this is going to be kind of an old sports writery thing, but like it, it's true in this case, they showed a lot of pride. It would have been very easy for them to just kind of be like, dude, I am done. We're not, we're not going to win this series. We're down 2-0. We did not steal a game in Brooklyn. I'm done. I'm out. You know, one, two, three, Cancun, all that stuff. That would have been a super easy thing to do. And honestly, I don't think anybody would have blamed them. On Friday, they, like Jason Tatum in particular, just said no. Like this, this team is not done playing basketball yet. Going into Sunday's game, there is reason to believe that they could come out of Boston 2-2. And like ever since it became clear that they weren't going to get the four or five seed, pretty much what we said was like, okay, then like the thing that the Celtics should be hoping for is a competitive first round series. Yeah. So all of a sudden we have a competitive first round series on our hands. Game yeah. four is going to be electric. Honestly, the Nets could come out and just absolutely blitz the Celtics. Yeah. That 100% might happen. They have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, and Joe Harris. In the first quarter, we saw, again, how impossible that can be to guard when they're all clicking. And, you know, maybe they'll just really enjoy shutting up a full-capacity TD Garden. But 
TD Garden is going to be full capacity, and it's pretty clear the Celtics – I mean, going back to last year, the Celtics played so much better at home than they did on the road. I think it could be fun. Like, the Celtics kind of showing that they have that little bit of extra fight, that Jason Tatum isn't ready to go home yet. This this series could be a little bit more fun than we thought, and, and I think, you know, especially because we're getting the kind of Jason Tatum superstar performance that we were hoping to get. Sunday's going to be a ton of fun. And to be honest, entering Game 3, I was not sure what we were going to get. This team, for a lot of various stretches stretches of this season, they've looked like a team that would have just rolled over and died. Season's basically over. You're playing a title contender. You're in rough shape down 2-0 or 0-2. Let's just go home. Credit to Tatum. Credit to Tristan Thompson, who seems extremely motivated now that it's playoff time. He is the one who called regular season games horse shit, so he's living up to his word, at least in game three he did. Like, yeah, credit to this team because they are showing a little fight and they're making this more interesting than I certainly thought it would be. I have to admit, I was leaning toward this team maybe rolling over a bit and they didn't. The fact that now you're down 2-1, you're going to have a full house on Sunday. It's, it's going to be an awesome environment in there on Sunday and the Celtics clearly know it. Tristan Thompson's quote after the game was pretty hysterical he was is so fired up at the idea of having like fans cheering for the Celtics, which is awesome. It's fun. And that's what make professional sports great. But the quote was, I can't fucking wait till Sunday. 17K, green, I'm going to see the leprechaun. That's what it's all about. <laughs> like, Boy, like, so excited to see Lucky. So excited to see Lucky, who was already there tonight. But <laughs> I, I mean, it is going to be a cool environment. And I definitely think it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. And you're right, just the series as a whole, I think already is a little more fun than we thought. James Harden tonight had 41 points and 10 assists. Kevin Durant had 39 points and nine rebounds. Like Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving combined for 96 points. That's insane. And, you know, the Celtics pulled out this win because, you know, because they had contributions up and down the roster. And that matters. Like Marcus Smart, Evan Fournier both played well. And Tristan Thompson played well. And, you know, they got unexpected contributions. But obviously the number one reason that they won this game is because they had the best player on the floor tonight. <laughs> like that, I think like Celtics fans, this is, this is why you, me, and Nicole have all said Celtics fans should be excited about next season. Like Jason yeah. Tatum is such an unbelievable special talent. It's, it's really, really cool. Really fun to watch. He's 23 years old. And I know everyone shouts from the rooftops. Yeah, he's only 19. Everyone always talks about his age. But it is unreal how much his offensive game has developed in his short time in the NBA. He's always been a really good offensive player. He was a good scorer at Duke. He was a good scorer right when he came in. He was a a significant contributor in his rookie year. But his offensive bag is now so versatile and so tough to guard one-on-one. Like He has added so much to his offensive game in such a short time. It is so exciting to think about what he could add further down the road. Anything else that you want to touch on, on on this game specifically before we get into uh before we get into our our last uh, our last segment here? One other thing that I just saw in my notes that like popped into my head as Tatum was taking advantage of a lot of the switches. I think the Jeff Green absence means a little bit more than I initially thought. They're a little less versatile with him on the floor, and it leaves them a slightly more vulnerable, more than slightly more vulnerable yeah. defensively. And granted, they'll make adjustments ahead of game four, but I didn't really think much of that injury. When I heard of it the other day, yeah, I knew it was significant. He's a rotation guy, but it did look to really impact them. 
I think their versatility hurt Boston a lot in games one and two. They could switch one through five in a lot of those lineups that included Jeff Green, which helped them when they had to dig into their bench. They couldn't do that tonight. And they relied a little bit more on Nick Claxton and he got exposed in a couple switches, just not nearly as quick on the perimeter as a guy like Jeff Green. So I think that is something to keep in mind if if they struggle with some of their some of their bench guys defensively in game four. Especially if they keep switching like they were yeah. defensively. Because every time they switch, Jason Tatum is just going to say thank you. And yeah. go as, he, as he should. As he should. The last thing we want to do here, uh, Grenham, can you shout out our good pals at the Shades On Beer Company? Of course I can. Shades On Beer Company, as Geno Time listeners know, they're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. They're down in West Kingston, Rhode Island, which is where the Shades On Beer Garden and Tasting Room is. So if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, go down. Check it out. Have a Geno Time Stout. Uh, Geno Time was playing tonight at the Garden. First time I'd heard that in a while, so that was fun for Celtics fans. But yes, this is the Geno Time Draft brought to you by Shades On Beer Company. And tonight we're going to do kind of like a tweaked version of our draft. We're going to, I guess we're kind of going to do our own, like we're going to do our mini draft of Tatum's 50-point efforts this year. So I guess it's really just going to be like a four game big board is what it's really going to come down yeah. to. Tom, I'll let you go first and we can just kind of talk through the the four games, but that's going to be our, our Geno time draft tonight because Tatum 50 point efforts are all the rage right now. <laughs> this is, this is actually a really tough one. And so I think let's, let's start on the opposite end. Actually, let's take the last one because that's okay. the easy one. Jason Tatum scored 53 points on April 9 against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think we can both probably yeah. agree that like really impressive, good stuff, man. But like that's number four. Then that Timberwolves game was also like depressing. They played like crap for the majority of the game. So in my mind, that's like easily the last one. Yeah. Yes. They did win. So that leaves three games, the San Antonio game in which mm-hmm. he scored not 50, but 60. <laughs> it leaves the play-in game. Uh, in which the Celtics clinched a playoff first, and it leaves tonight's game in which Jason Tatum saved the Boston Celtics season. That's the perfect know. order right there. That's you just went you just went top to bottom. I think you think so. I, I think it's hard to deny a fifty point playoff game in a must win matchup. Oh, oh, going bottom to top. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I want the Timberwolves game at the top of our. Well, board. I thought- See, I thought you were saying you, you wanted the 60 game at the top. And I was like, I mean, ah. I can see it because 60 is a big ass number, but like 60 is <laughs> great, but it's yeah. The Spurs are kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Things. yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, the thing about the wizard game was that if they lost that one, then they would have had a, I mean, we saw, we've seen these teams. They're not that competitive. Like they would have had the the Pacers, like Pacers are not a good basketball team. And then the Hornets like didn't play well against the Pacers. Like I think the Celtics definitely would have been facing the Philadelphia 76ers had they lost that game to the Wizards. That's not to set aside the fact that Jason Tatum scored 50 points in a playing game. Like that's, that's wild. That's a huge performance. But I think tonight's game, if the Celtics lose tonight's game, they are headed for not only a sweep, but probably an embarrassing one because I think they would have gotten blown out in game four. For sure. Because there would have just been no, there would have been no hope. They would have, and they would have been playing in front of a bunch of like angry Celtics fans who are just like sick of them, drunk and pissed, and want the season over with. Now, uh, yeah, on like the Sunday before Memorial Day, like yeah, there would have been some drunk, angry oh, yeah. Celtics fans. Yeah. Now 
they have engendered enough goodwill by not only like crushing like Kyrie's like game back. I mean, thanks to Tatum's like 50 piece uh, in tonight's game, the Celtics have not only, uh, not only have they saved their season, they've also engendered enough goodwill to where everybody in the garden is going to be going nuts. And the vibes are going to be immaculate at the start of. Oh yeah, for sure. The vibes are so back. You ruined Kyrie's return to the garden as a fan base at least in reading Twitter, it's like, we're back in. Everyone's like back in. We're going to the finals, baby. It's, let's do this thing. But I totally agree. Like the circumstances that were surrounding this 50 point effort just trump any of the other ones. Yeah. The wizards one was major because it put them into the playoffs, but they would have beat the Hornets or the Pacers afterward. And they, it would have been the Pacers and they definitely would have beat the Pacers because that team was falling apart at the seams. So I do think this is in terms of ranking them is a relatively like easy run of games to, to toss in an order here, but it's kind of wild that there's four of them. (laughs) It's the most of any player in the NBA 50 point efforts this year. Um, Like the Minnesota one was certainly messier than the other ones. Yeah. The Spurs game was that ridiculous, ridiculous comeback, but Timberwolves were a team at the bottom of the league and they were trailing for the majority of that game. They had to crawl back into it. And so that 53 point effort had a little bit of like, well, it was against the Timberwolves and they should have probably lost to it. Whereas the the Spurs game, yeah, 60 points is insane. And also that was a ridiculous comeback. This is fun. And the other two have the postseason elements to it. So they all have like their own little backstory that I think makes the ranking kind of straightforward. Definitely. I think we will leave it there. We will, we will record again Sunday um, for Monday after Sunday's game. Presumably we will have Nicole because that game starts at seven, not eight 30. So hopefully we will still have uh, Nicole for that one. Um, but until then, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Please feel free to leave us any questions, comments, or concerns, you know, where to find us and we will talk to you all again soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.